Fierce Daughter? Well, this podcast is for you. My name's Erin. I'm the founder of Be The Benchmark, Fierce Girl Fridays, and Savvy Girl Sundays. And I am here for the last time in this series to talk to you about Lisa Demore's book, Untangled, Guiding Teenage Girls Through the Seven Transitions into Adulthood. And today, we are tackling the strand, caring for herself and I'm excited to get into it. So thanks for joining me. Here we go. All right, guys, this is it. The seventh and final strand of Lisa Demore's book, Untangled, Caring for Herself. And this chapter just dives right into the nitty gritty, let me tell you. So here are the main topics that she covers. Food and weight, sleep and technology, drugs and sex. So if you want controversy and you want the deep uh, ocean of craziness that comes with raising a child from childhood all the way through adulthood, this is the chapter for you. So there are two quotes that she actually has in this book and one of them is in this chapter and one's in a previous chapter and I'm not sure which, but the first one is that I love and I use all the time that girls can roll their eyes and listen at the same time. Because a lot of times we get really frustrated with girls about their attitude or the way they're responding to something we're saying. But the reality is if they're rolling their eyes, they're probably also listening and something might be sinking in. And so uh, not saying that they should be rolling their eyes or that they should have attitude or that we shouldn't you know, talk to them about their attitude occasionally, but just because they're rolling their eyes doesn't mean they're not listening. On the other side of that coin, here's what she says in this chapter. Girls can also nod without listening. And I actually see a lot of parents fall into this trap where they think, oh yeah, I talked to my daughter about that and she was totally on board and we are on the same page and everything's good, not a problem. And after years and years and years of working with teens myself, as well as reading this book multiple times and her many, many, many years of working with teens, it is very obvious to her and to me that girls often will start nodding and just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, okay, uh-huh, uh-huh. And they're not listening and they don't care and they're, they're just trying to appease you at that point. And so she actually has broken it down into four things that adults do that make girls put on what she calls the veil of obedience. So basically, when these things start happening, a lot of times teens will, especially girls, just kind of do the nod along and pretend like they're listening and pretend like they're agreeing when they're not really. She calls it the veil of obedience. And here are the four times, uh, four things that we don't want to do that produce this veil. One is when we start to lecture. So we're doing all the talking, it's not a conversation, we're not engaging, we're just preaching at them our point of view. So that's one thing. Um, the second is taking a suspicious tone. So she talks about how like, even if a girl is kind of worried about maybe a party that she's going to, if her parent starts to say, is there anybody drinking there? Is something bad? Are you sure you wanna go? Like when we get that suspicious tone, they're like, mom, it's fine, just let it go. Even if they themselves have had the same questions, you kind of getting that suspicious tone without really engaging them as an equal or an adult, not that they are equals, but that they are maturing and that they're having the ability to make better decisions for themselves. But that suspicious tone will put the veil up right away for many. 
And another thing, the third thing is making moral judgments. So she talks about how, of course, we're raising our girls with morals and we want them to have certain morals and we want them to share our morals. But the reality is, as we've like talked about in all these other chapters, girls are really starting to take on their own independence. And it is very difficult, if not impossible, to push your exact morals onto someone else, even if they are your offspring. And therefore, if you are making those moral judgments without engaging in a conversation, without them challenging or them coming to certain conclusions, again, the veil will go up. And the last thing that she talks about is when we overstate risks as adults. So saying like drugs are gonna kill you or alcohol is poison. They know that those things are not 100% true in that way. And when you start to say, make like extreme statements, they just shut down and that's the veil. And she talks about how the veil is going to come out at times anyway. Like it's very unlikely that your daughter will never glaze over, will always be listening, is always going to be engaged with what you're saying. At some point, she will probably hide behind this. But those are four things that we can kind of try to avoid and engage in different ways so that that doesn't become the status quo, that she's always just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then us as naive parents thinking like, oh, she totally gets it. And we're totally on the same page. And then we're blindsided a week later when she's totally done the opposite of what we thought she had agreed to or we were doing. So I'm actually not going to break down each and every aspect of the topics that she discusses in this chapter. So as we mentioned, food and weight, sleep and technology, drugs and alcohol, and sex. Those are basically the four areas. And what instead I'm going to talk to you about is kind of the prevailing good wisdom of how to handle these touchy areas. And she goes into a lot of specifics in each of the areas, but here's kind of an overview. First piece of advice, always make sure that your daughter knows that her safety is number one, more so than your rules or her being disciplined. If you can look at all of these areas through a lens of self-care and that you want her to have good self-care and that you want her to be safe as opposed to she needs to follow your rules or she's going to get disciplined if she doesn't do xyz that lens is going to be so much more helpful in how you discuss and approach each of these areas with your daughter so that's number one number two none of these is a conversation i had someone ask me and this has been a while ago but i had someone ask me who had a daughter around the same age as my oldest and said, have you had the sex conversation with her yet? Or the period conversation? I'm like, uh, no, because it's not just a conversation in our house. It is an ongoing discussion of female bodies, of understanding our own bodies, of understanding what happens when you choose to share that body with someone else, what happens inside you reproductively, what happens to your skin, what happens to your hair, what happens to, you know, everything. There's so many layers of discussions and that's the way it is with all of these, whether it comes to sleep, when it comes to drugs, when it comes to sex, when it comes to food and our weight and our body image, there is not one conversation that you're going to have with your daughters. And for me, what's interesting about this book, she's talking about teens, but I've literally been having most of these conversations with my daughters since we started having conversations. Now we don't talk about all of these things every day, 
but I have opened the door little at a time. I, I think of it as a door, like that's my metaphor, is there's this little door that's opening and at some point it's gonna be swung all the way open and all the things are on the table, but little by little we're creeping in at developmentally appropriate times and spaces to their question level, to my comfort level, always, and this is a key for me, always using correct terminology and telling the absolute truth as I understand it and always being humble enough to explain when I don't understand or to tell when I don't understand something when it comes to all of these things. I always tell my kids the truth. I always try to use as exact language as possible, especially when it comes to sex and our bodies and those types of things. Uh, I always try to go to science and understanding exactly what's happening, whether it's drugs or sleep or what have you. Uh, and that was, and that's actually the third thing that I was going to say in each of these conversations is helping your kids understand the science behind each of these areas, whether it's uh, overuse of technology, what are the studies showing, what's going on in kids' minds, what's going on with their uh, psychological health and their spiritual and emotional health when they're overusing food or sleep or sex or drugs or, you know, those types of things, like really helping kids understand from a scientific point of view. This is not mom necessarily saying you should, you shouldn't, blah, blah, blah. But let's look at what the science and the hard data is saying uh, because kids have an ability to understand kind of those concrete facts in a way that maybe they're not going to necessarily just listen to mom or dad's advice at a certain age. Um, and the final thing that... I think is important when you're addressing all of these very touchy topics is don't, and this is something that we mentioned in a previous chapter, don't get into a power struggle with a kid where they hold all the cards. This was in the academic area when they were talking about don't get into a power struggle with your kid over something that they have control over. They have control over their grades, whether they study, whether they do this, whether they do that. You can put in lots of rules and supports in place, but ultimately they're the one that gets to decide. And that's the same way with a lot of these situations when it comes to what kind and how much food, how much exercise, how much sleep, technology, drugs, sex, all of these things, ultimately as they're getting older, they are making these decisions. And so you can lay down lots of rules and discipline, but if you're able to instead step back from that power struggle and think about this through the lens of self-care, what is going to produce the best outcomes in the long term. And ultimately, she talks about in almost every chapter, getting professionals involved when needed. And the sooner the better. So if you suspect that your daughter has a eating disorder, the sooner that you can get a professional involved, the better. If you suspect that they have a drug problem or an alcohol problem, or um, that they have questions about birth control or sex, that as much as possible, there are adults out there that are specifically trained to work with young people around these issues and getting them involved the earlier the better is the way to nip that in the bud and make sure that they don't deal with the consequences of unwise decisions and uninformed decisions uh, for the next decade after they've made some of these decisions. So that is kind of that entire chapter in overview. and. I wanted to kind of talk a little bit really quickly here just about the conclusion that she has at the end of the book. And I'm just gonna read some of it to you because it's just so good in thinking about all of how this comes together. As I'm sure you've figured out, the title of this book has more than one meaning. Most obviously, we've taken adolescent development, 
the snarl of friction and emotion that parents warn one another about and organized it into seven strands. We've made plain what girls have to do to become adults, and we've gained insight into their sometimes confusing and frustrating behavior. Just appreciating how many transitions are involved in moving from childhood to adulthood gives us a new respect for what our daughters are going through and clarifies why the teenage years can be taxing for everyone. So you're not alone. There's so much to this. Uh, everything's happening at different rates. I mean, that's a continual thing that you have to think about. It's not like she's caring for herself really well, but maybe another area is not like parting with childhood is not going so well. You know, it's very tricky and uh, just understanding that there's lots of ways that these are all tangled together. Um, the last, this, I love this sentence. Given that so much about being a teenager involves pulling parents in and pushing them away, I understand why sometimes we talk about adolescence as though it's a punishment girls inflict upon their parents, when really it's a stressful and developmental phase that girls are trying to navigate. So it's tricky for them too. It's tricky for us. We're all going through it for the first time. Uh, and even if you have multiple children, you're going through it for the first time because every child is different. And so I hope that understanding these seven strands has given you a new idea. I hope that you pick up this book and read it, whether it is through Audible and you listen to her read it or whether you pick up a hard copy because I have really just given a very broad overview of the book and there's so much more goodness in here and so many more insights into how you can really thrive during these times of adolescent development. There's so much going on. There's so much goodness in the growth. And if we can learn to navigate it together and embrace those times, I think when we come out on the other side, we can have such great relationships with our daughters. And that to me is ultimately the goal. So thanks for joining me on this journey. Uh, we'll see you next time. If you have had the chance to listen to all of the segments regarding the seven strands, I am so thankful. I hope that it's been really beneficial for you. And I can't wait to see how you and your daughter continue to choose your thoughts, create your life, and go out and change the world. Have a great day and go be the benchmark.